This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Hey, everybody, I'm Zach. And I'm Jesse. And you're watching Tussle Time News. Episode 308. On Now You Know. You may be wondering how we do 308 episodes every week in a row, and that's because of our Patreon patrons. Help support us bring you independent news every week by heading over to patreon.com slash now you know. There's really cool perks over there, and that's why we've kept so many patrons to help us keep doing the show. So thank you, patrons. So according to Bloomberg, a breakthrough deal between Senators Chuck Schumer and Joe Manchin took place last week. This includes an extension of the $7,500 EV tax credit with some new conditions. So manufacturers will need to build EVs with minerals that are extracted or processed in a country that the U.S. has a free trade agreement with and have a battery that includes a large percentage of components that were manufactured or assembled in North America. But the best part for me is that these tax credits would be point of sale. Yes. Point of sale. That means that you get to take the incentive right off the sticker price of the car when you buy it. No more paying full price and then waiting six months to a year to get a check back from Uncle Sam after you file your taxes. Yeah, this would lower your monthly payment and you wouldn't have to worry about all the paperwork involved in filing for the tax credit. Also, this agreement includes a new provision allowing car buyers to get up to $4,000 incentive for buying a used clean car valued at $25,000 or less. Right, so it's a 30% of the price of the vehicle. So like if you bought a $10,000 vehicle, you could get up to $3,000 off. So I mean, like when I bought my Leaf way back in the day, I spent $9,000 on it. I could have gotten $2,700 off the price of it. Good multiplication. Whoa. I mean, that's awesome. This deal also removes the 200,000 car cap. So Tesla, GM, and Toyota would be able to participate again. The bad news, because there is bad news, there is an income and price cap. There is a price cap for eligible vehicles of $55,000 for new sedans and $80,000 for vans, pickups, and SUVs. And so that means that if the price of the vehicle, because you added the special leather interior, if if that goes over $55,000 for a sedan or $80,000 for a van, pickup, or SUV, then you do not get any tax credit. This is going to be tricky for some people, right? Uh, Because, you know, the Model 3 is right on that edge. uh, The Rivian's right on that edge. Credits would also be capped at an income level of $150,000 for a single filing taxpayer and $300,000 for joint filers for new vehicles. Now, for used vehicles, if you have a income of $75,000 or $150,000 for joint filers, that is your limit. That's kind of a weird one. They don't the want used... rich people buying used hey, cars. Hey, if you're rich, you better buy some new freaking cars. Look, it, it does 
help a lot of people. Exactly. I'm not going to lie. No, exactly. That's, That's cool. That's cool. So there's a couple other things in this bill. One is that it's going to have to be assembled in America. Right. America, Canada, Mexico is okay, I think. Okay. So another thing about this bill that we think is going to be in it, it's not, again, it's nothing is set in stone. We haven't right. signed this is it still, into law I yet. did talk to my friend Mike Tidwell over at Chesapeake Clean Action Network. He knows everything that's going on on Capitol Hill. He said there's a 90% chance this bill will pass. Another provision of this bill is that the vehicles must be assembled in America. Yeah. Um, Joe Manchin got rid of the additional $4,500 credit for union-made vehicles. So that is out. And that's, I don't know if it's good for Tesla, but Tesla's not a union shop, so it wouldn't matter. Here's the weirdest part about this whole thing. Yeah. This would apply for deliveries starting on January 1st of 2023. Right. So here's the deal. If you buy your car, let's say in December, but get it delivered in January, then you're all set. But if you were to buy your car now and get it delivered, let's say in November of this year, you wouldn't get the credit. So my guess is that there's going to be a sales dip where a lot of U.S. buyers are just going to wait this out until January 1st or so. It wouldn't necessarily affect certain cars, though, right? If you were buying right. a Ford. Exactly. We're getting our Ford F-150. That won't matter for us. Uh, we won't get the, you know, point of sale reduction, True. which right. is kind of a bummer, but right. we would get the tax credit anyway. Right. Just you have to file it and then wait, you know, right. until late April or whatever, whenever you get your refund check. And if you're wondering, because they got rid of the cap, like how long does this last? It ends in 2032. So 10 more years, which is amazing. I think that on a whole, I'm pretty happy with I'm pretty this. happy too, because it's also going to drive the price of cars down, I think, if manufacturers want to get in under those limits. So, right. I mean, this is probably great. Last Thursday, Elon tweeted, inflation might be trending down. More Tesla commodity prices are trending down than up for what it's worth. So Elon had said recently that Tesla prices wouldn't be reduced until commodity prices started coming down. I mean, the Model Y has gone up 25% in the past two years from 52,990 to 65,990. That's a $13,000 price increase. Right. Yeah, so if Tesla wants to get the $7,500 tax credit, they're gonna have to lower the prices of the Model 3 to qualify for the $55,000 upper limit because remember, sedans have that limit. Right now, the long-range Model 3 is at 57,990. So they'd have to bring it down about $3,000 to get under that limit. But that would mean that you couldn't have any different colors. Right. You couldn't have any different wheels. You know, you couldn't upgrade any of the autopilot right. functions. The $80,000 limit for SUVs means that the Model Y long range is fine. At the as moment. long as it's counted as an SUV. We all think it is. We just don't know how the how it works. I mean, it you know, because it's... I say it's an SUV. It's an SUV. <laughs> but I could call the Model 3 an SUV. And then could I get the tax credit? I don't think so. I don't. Think so. Now, there's also the Inflation Reduction Act of 2022, which was introduced in the Senate last week. And in that bill is a section that would give commercial clean vehicles the following. The amount determined under this subsection with respect to any qualified commercial clean vehicle shall not exceed A, in the case of a vehicle which has gross vehicle weight rating of less than 14,000 pounds, $7,500, and B, in the case of a vehicle not described in subparagraph A, $40,000. So a... $40,000 tax incentive for big trucks like the Tesla Semi. Good job reading through the legal I'm getting pretty good at it. We've gone through a lot of legal gobbledygook. <laughs> so keep in mind, this is just a bill introduced in the Senate. I'm just a bill. It has to pass both houses to get signed into law. But here's the thing. If you like what this bill is saying, contact your representative and let them know. It only takes a minute. And this is how, how democracy, democracy works, works, people. But yeah. 
$40,000 off the semi, we're getting the semi. So now instead of paying 150000 or 180000 depending which one we get, uh-huh. uh, we'll be paying $40,000 less, hopefully. Hopefully. I don't know if we're uh, who they were going after when they were ma- writing this bill. bill. It's a commercial thing yeah we're, we're starting a trucking company Come okay on. all right we will then well that's what we'll do hey and if you want to support us in our bid to get a semi truck hit the like button so tesla has just added tesla insurance with real-time driving data to two more states here in the u.s utah and maryland so now that makes 10 states for tesla insurance with real-time driving data here are the 10 states arizona colorado illinois maryland nevada ohio oregon Texas, Utah, Virginia. Are you going to read all 50 when they get to all 50? Yeah, was that that was just all 10. That wasn't that much. Um, But I also want to point out that California does also have Tesla insurance, but drivers there can only get premiums based on regular actuarial data uh, until regulators allow for real-time driving data to be used. Right. Hopefully it should be soon. Elon has said he wants Tesla insurance in most states by the end of this year. So that would mean adding another 15 or 16 states by the end of the year. I don't know if they're going to do that, but I'm already surprised that they've got 11. Well, you know, most states, you know, you can <laughs> exclude the two that aren't even connected. And hey, then you hey, can... <laughs> hey, the police will have more choices for zero emission vehicles as Ford just announced that the 2023 F-150 Lightning Pro SSV or special service vehicle, what Ford is calling the first electric pickup truck purpose built for the police. Yes. So the police are going on tour again. This is going to be awesome. No, 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 no. Not, Don't not, stand no, so close Not the to police. Me. Not the police. Police department. You just said the police. Police departments. Oh, it's not so exciting right. anymore. So according to Ford, they have 12,000 police departments across the U.S. as customers. So I'm guessing that they're hoping to sell some of these SSVs to them. And of course, the SSV is electric, so it will be quick. Zero to 60 in under four seconds. And the Pro Power onboard can serve as a mobile power source to light up accident scenes. Right. But I mean, all lightnings will offer that. So what did Ford do to make the SSV edition special for police departments? Honestly, it doesn't seem like it will be different from a powertrain perspective. Um, Just the normal police accessories that you'd expect. Like what? Police grade heavy duty cloth seats with reduced bolsters to help holstered officers enter and exit EVs more easily. What's a bolster? Um, That's, you know, like when you get in the car and there's things on either side. Oh, that kind of hold you in your seat? Hold you in your seat. The reduced. Oh, so cops like sway around a lot when they're in. Well, they have a gun on their hip, typically. Ah. Built-in steel intrusion plates in front seat backs. Red, blue, or amber, white roof-mounted LED warning beacons available. Easy to clean vinyl rear seats and vinyl flooring. Then some other things which I think are included in all F-150 Lightnings. The Mega Power Frunk with 14.1 cubic feet of lockable cargo area, including a 220 amp DC to DC power source. Yeah, these are the the stuff here is all like what everyone gets. In fact, we just found out from Ford that our F-150 Lightning is being produced next week like in the factory. So we might be getting it at the end of this month. Right. But I mean, the power frunk, most police vehicles don't have a a giant lockable frunk. No, this is great. I'm really excited. So Jesse, do you remember gas tank gauges? Why? What? Well, it's been years since I've driven a gas car, but I remember gas gauges, these super primitive gauges that told you how much gas was in your tank. Right. Gas gauges didn't tell you how much farther you could drive. They just told you roughly how much of a tank of gasoline you had left kind of stupid if you think about it. Much more valuable, in my opinion, is how much farther you can drive before you run out of fuel. But anyway, I digress. Or do I? You see, EVs also have gauges, but on EVs, they tell you your SOC or state of charge, how much is left in your battery. And the good EVs will tell you how much range that equates to. Giving the driver an accurate prediction of the number of miles or kilometers left is super important in an EV. 
Now, Tesla has always been pretty good at it. And now supposedly they're going to get even more accurate. According to Green the Only, which is that Tesla white hat hacker, he tweets, Wow, 2022.20.7 seems to go into insane details to improve range predictions. Even tire pressure is taken into account amongst many other extra variables just added. Also takes into account energy loss to phone charging and 12-volt accessories, air density, battery heating and cooling, etc. Now, in 2018, Tesla added environmental factors to the range estimates. And earlier this year, Tesla added crosswind, headwind, humidity, and ambient temperature to the estimator. But now that they're adding tire pressure, I think that the estimates are going to be even better because mm. tire pressure makes a huge difference. Yeah, it's been interesting driving the Rivian on many of our trips. Uh, it, it has a very conservative range estimator. I have yet to get to a destination with less in the battery than it predicted mm. at the beginning of the trip. And you may argue that this is a good thing, but in some ways, I think it's not. I think not! If Rivian is always underestimating the range, then that means I could have driven further. And so I'm either charging too early or not driving as far as I could on a charge, basically limiting myself. I don't know. This might have to do with how you're driving because basically the Rivian has uh, the typical guessometer, which takes how you're driving and then extrapolates that out for the rest of your drive. Wait, is that the same as what Tesla does? No. So Tesla is a little bit different because they, they do two different things. When you look at the number of miles next to the little battery on the screen, that is called rated range. And okay. that means what is your state of charge and what they think is going to be the average uh, efficiency. Okay. And that's going to tell you that mileage. But then if you put in a destination, that's when the calculations come out and they figure out what they actually think you're going to get based on hills and going up and down. But mountains. not based on how I'm driving? Correct. Um, they're going to assume that you're driving fairly normally. Oh, but Rivian keeps adjusting it based on how I'm driving. Right. So it, it, it's good in some ways because, you know, if you're feeling punchy that day and you're kind of zooming around, it's going to update that mileage and say, hey, you're going to actually get there with less. Of course, if you put in a destination in a Tesla, it'll also tell you, you know, they, they have that awesome graph that shows you that you're like, you're using way too much and you're not going to make it. And they'll tell you well in, in advance. That's really interesting. So, I mean, I don't think a lot of us knew this, that uh, there's two different philosophies on how to do it. I don't know. Comment down below what you think is the better way to do a range estimate. Is it Tesla's way or like a guesstimator? Because the only problem with Rivian's way is that you could, you know, have a route that's going to take you on back roads and you're going to be driving really efficiently because you're driving slowly um, and your range estimate is going to be really high. Then you're going to hop on the highway and your range estimate is going to plummet and you're going to be like, oh, no, hmm. I'm not going to make it um, when you thought you were the whole time. So I just thought we'd share some stuff we've been doing with the Rivian recently. It's not really enough to turn into an episode all on its own. But you know what we just did? We backed a 4,200 pound trailer down a hill. And it handled it really well. We were in trailer mode, uh, not like an off-road mode since we were towing. And the four-wheel drive and the all-terrain tires uh, really handled that surface really well. Yeah, so it's not that steep of an incline, but I got to say there was no slippage. Um, and that was kind of amazing considering the loads. And by the way, you're getting really good at uh, backing up the trailer. Oh, thank you. Yeah, I mean, it takes a bit of mental rewiring. Although those videos that we did about backing up a trailer in the Model X uh, really came in clutch. Yeah, go watch that episode if you're interested in how to uh, move a trailer and uh, move it around efficiently. Because we got some hacks. We yeah, got and some. We got some like cheaty ways to do it. Did you use that same clear sheet on the Rivian? No, I, I just can imagine it now. Mm. So anyway, you should check out that episode if you ever want to back up anything. It was just like a really good like primer for me. Well, I'm glad that you're really good at backing up things because this week we're going to go camping with a towable camper trailer. Oh, wow. 
So we get to see how the Rivian tows a camper? Yeah, um, that video is gonna come out on Friday. So be sure to subscribe and turn on all your notifications so you don't miss it because I think we have an idea that no one else has thought of. Ooh. So by this point, we all know what's likely going to happen. Tesla is going to open its supercharger network to non-Tesla EVs in the US, uh, like it is starting to do in Europe. We just don't know when or how fast or how it will happen. Well, now we get another small piece of the puzzle, perhaps. The Wall Street Journal is reporting, recent regulatory filings and other documents indicate that the company is applying for public funding that, if granted, would require access by other makers of EVs to the network. While federal infrastructure dollars won't start to become available until later this year, Tesla sites in Willows, Barstow, Coalinga, and Baker are among 17 likely winners of a California grant to help build public chargers. The California Energy Commission would have to approve the funding, possibly at an October meeting of the five commissioners, according to the agency. So again, the $7.5 billion in federal funding from the infrastructure bill should start being distributed at the end of this year. And so I'm guessing that's when we're going to start to see the supercharger transition start, uh, at least in earnest. Yeah. So let us know if you start seeing any evidence of CCS chargers at supercharger locations. Remember, send those into hello at nowyouknowchannel.com. Remember, you are the eyes and ears of the community. You're our little birds. So Alix Lazaro Pratt, he's a CFD engineer for numeric systems, used his company aerodynamic simulation technology to produce a study of Cybertruck's drag coefficient, which he said is 0.39, which he released on LinkedIn. He said, contrary to what many people would think, the sharp edge of the roof does not produce a big detachment. It's true that the flow is not attached, but in fact, the air flows down the slope quite seamlessly. The boundary layer does not substantially grow. This is quite remarkable and a big aerodynamic advantage compared to other pickup trucks. Moreover, the diffuser makes a substantial effect in the center of the vehicle's rear end. It creates suction and reduces the wake. On the other side, our results show clear turbulent structures created by the front edge, which connects the bumper and the bonnet, the vertical edge right behind the front lights, the wheel arches, protectors surrounding edgy geometry, the rim styling, and the geometry of the A-pillar and C-pillar. The generation of the turbulent structures is caused by the sharpness of these edges. These geometrical features increase the drag of the vehicle, which ultimately reduce the range of the Cybertruck. Furthermore, due to the sharp rear end, the flow instantly detaches and creates a considerably big low energy area area or wake, most noticeably behind the top and side rear end edges. Okay, so if you're not an aeronautical engineer, a lot of that is not going to make any sense. Basically talking about the different areas of the car and how aerodynamic they are. I guess basically because there's some angular bits to this, right. it's going to be a little bit less efficient. Right. Most cars today you see are smooth. That means that the air flows smoothly over them. But I want to point out, let's look at the big picture yeah, here, yeah. right? Most pickup trucks have a coefficient of drag of 0.55 to 0.65, okay? Okay. The Ford F-150 Lightning, for instance, has a 0.44, which is really good. The Rivian supposedly has a 0.3, which is amazing. Mm -hmm. Elon has said he hopes that the Cybertruck will get down to a 0.3 as well. So if they already have a 0.39, according to this, which isn't actually the truck, it's just an approximation. Right. I think there's a pretty good chance that it could get down to 0.3. And that would be great because, I mean, pickup trucks normally have double that. Now, a couple of the things that I noticed were that in the simulation, they weren't spinning the tires. This could either add or subtract some, probably add a uh, more turbulent flow to somewhere. Um, but maybe there's some special thing with the, the wheel covers that they suck up the wind and right. distribute it somewhere else. I, I have no idea, but I just know that you'd want to have that in, in some sort of a simulation. Right. Um, so this is an approximation. Right. Obviously, he doesn't have the real 
files of what they're going to be making the Cybertruck with, and we don't have a production version of the Cybertruck right. yet. So all of that would factor into uh, the drag coefficient. And just important to keep in mind that the drag coefficient is not everything. It's also the frontal area. Right. Um, you're going to be multiplying those things together exactly. to, to help get your full drag um, equation. Which is why I think the Rivian isn't as exciting as people think, because point three is great, but it does have a big front area. And I just don't believe the point three. Yeah, I, don't I just I just don't believe. It. Hey, if you want to talk all about Cybertruck, head on over to our friends at the Cybertruck Owners Club. They help support this show. You can find on their website discussions and community for Cybertruck enthusiasts and future owners. And there you're going to find their crowdsource reservation tracker so you can update yourself and find your place in line. So you remember watching astronauts being transported to the rocket on missions like the space shuttle and the Apollo in the Astrovan. Yeah, so that's the iconic Airstream Excella that brought astronauts from the Neil Armstrong operations and checkout build to the launch pad. Then, of course, SpaceX has used the Tesla Model X to transport astronauts to the Dragon crew capsule. Well, now NASA wants to go electric. And so, as we have reported, they have awarded the contract to Canoe for the next generation electric astro transport vehicle. Here is Canoe testing out their lifestyle vehicle for the job at Kennedy's famous launch pad 39A. The contract says that fully suited astronauts must fit as well as flight staff and additional equipment. First use will be for the Artemis 2 mission in 2025 where astronauts will return to lunar orbit in the Orion capsule and Artemis 3 where the first female and astronaut of color will land on the moon aboard Starship. That's going to be exciting. Get back to the moon on Starship. Yes. Wow. So I think I think it's kind of weird that NASA chose Canoe. Like they have Model X's already down there, right. already with the NASA logo on them. My guess is you needed a little more room than the SUV could hold because you're supposed to have flight equipment. You know, maybe a, a box. Well, you're going to the your, moon. You don't your have CD the same, collection. You don't your have DVDs. The same sleek, right? Don't uh, you have to bring like DVDs to the moon? I mean, they don't have Wi-Fi on the moon, do they? Probably Starlink would work, right? Oh, can you do Starlink on the moon? I don't know. We're going to find out. So the Department of Energy will finally start loaning out money again under its Advanced Technology Vehicles Manufacturing Loan Program, or Advanmove. They haven't loaned money since 2010 when Tesla, Ford, and Nissan all received loans. The DOE is loaning $2.5 billion to GM to build three battery plants here in the U.S. to make Ultium batteries. So GM and LG are partnering to invest more than $7 billion in the three plants in Ohio, Tennessee, and Michigan. This is the first time the DOE has issued loans exclusively for battery cell manufacturing projects. The first battery factory in Warren, Ohio, will come online this month. The Tennessee plant will start production of cells late next year, and the Michigan plant will begin production in 2024. 6,000 construction jobs will be needed, and 5,100 operations jobs will be created once the plants are up and running. And the UAW is happy because this will be an all-union workforce. GM's goal is to be making 1 million EVs a year by 2025 when Tesla should be making about three to four times that. So Tesla's Hornsdale battery in South Australia is now using some new Tesla software called Virtual Machine Mode. Tesla describes it saying, as more wind and solar power replace fossil fuel generation, less mechanical inertia is available on the grid, removing a natural stability buffer in the case of a grid disturbance. Tesla's virtual machine mode is designed to address these stability challenges by virtually emulating mechanical inertia. Megapack's built-in inverters with virtual machine mode create grid-forming dynamics that provide grid strength, respond to added and rejected loads, and maintain quality voltage at the point of interconnection. In South Australia, the Hornsdale Power Reserve alone can provide up to 3,000 megawatt seconds of inertia by using virtual machine mode, roughly half of the state's entire inertia needs. 
Okay, I'm sorry. I just read that entire thing, and I don't know what, what they're talking about. Okay, so this is where we start to talk about grids. Okay. So when we built the grids back in the 30s and 40s, and the grids, um, the way that it worked was yes. that uh, you'd have all of these different power plants, and they would have spinning stuff in mm -hmm. them. And the spinning stuff would be spinning at a very specific oh, frequency. The, the turbines. Right. Okay. Uh, 60 hertz here in the U.S., and 50 hertz in many other places in the world. Okay. I'm not sure what Australia is. I haven't been there. And stuck my fingers in the, the sockets. But anyway, what this means is all this spinning stuff is all synchronized. Wait, what? So, so wait, so like a generator in one state is matched up to a generator in another state if, if they're, they're on the same on, grid? If they're on the same grid, then they're spinning at the same time. This is why if the grid goes down, you're in trouble because you need to start them all up and then get them synced. Oh. So this is what creates well. the supposed to be sine wave of the grid. And it's supposed to be at 60 hertz here in the U.S. and probably Oh, because if my generator is producing at a different uh, sine wave, it didn't start at the same point, then I'm canceling out. it out. Right. Oh, wow. So... Um, this means that all of these spinning things have inertia. If I were to put a lot of load onto that grid, let's say I had some gigantic heater that was going to melt half of a state and I were to just turn it on, those generators would slow down. Oh. So, in fact, when everyone turns on their air conditioning all at oh, once. Oh, that's why the power sags? Like That's why the power sags and they have to do a lot of stuff to prevent a lot of problems from happening. But basically, the the good part, the good thing is when they built the grid and all this spinning stuff. One of the results was that you would have actual inertia of those spinning wheels and, and turbines and stuff. Oh, but when you go to solar and batteries, there's no inertia. There's no inertia. And so if you have a battery with an inverter, you can create and basically help out that grid. So it's kind oh. of so imagine. Let's simplify this down. Let's say that you're over here with one light bulb and I'm over here generating power. I'm turning a thing. OK. And then you turn on the light bulb and I go, oh, that's harder to do now. And I slow down, but I can't slow down because there's right. millions of devices depending on right. me spinning at a particular frequency. Right. So if there was a battery connected to the grid. And so when you flicked on that light switch within milliseconds, you were able to deliver power exactly in line with me. Wow. I can keep going. That sounds complicated. Super complicated. Super amazing that Tesla's able to do this. Wow. Yeah. Mini, the sub brand from BMW, said that it will introduce its last gas model in 2025 and has the goal to stop selling gas cars entirely by 2030. Well, now they're revealing their latest electric model, the Aceman concept, that will be their first electric crossover. Wouldn't it be the Aceman? Aceman. <laughs> Mini will be showing off a concept at the Gamescom 2022 conference in Cologne, Germany in late August. So I'm guessing that you have no stats, prices, delivery dates, none of that, right? Right. It's just a concept and a marketing statement. Oh, do we get a marketing statement? Here's the, mar oh, I was waiting for this. This concept car reflects how Mini is reinventing itself for its all electric future and what the brand stands for. An electrified go-kart feel, an immersive digital experience, and a strong focus on a minimal environmental footprint. Wow, great. Um, so anyway, no, I can't tell you anything other than it might look something vaguely like that and that it's gonna have an electrified go-kart feel. Yeah, well, there'll be more details, I guess, in a month. Uh, I'm I'm happy. I'm happy. I want electrified electric. I want fully. I, listen, I want fully electric uh, electric minis. Then you're going to be excited about this next story. OK, so Arkimoto just revealed their midline of their latest product, what they are dubbing the mean lean machine version four, a.k.a. Cybertrike edition. 
So I'm a bit confused. This is the midline? So this is obviously a three-wheeled electric vehicle. At its heart, it's an e-bike with features never seen before. First, it has three wheels. And as we know, having just tested an e-trike recently, leaning is an important aspect to bike riding, right? I mean, it's this natural thing you do when you're riding a bike. But with traditional three-wheeled trikes, you can't lean, which means that when you start turning, it throws off your whole sense of riding. Right. You start moving your body weight to counteract the forces of the turn, but the bike doesn't lean. And so actually the bike starts uh, making it worse. It's it's starting to lean your weight in the opposite direction as you should. So with a leaning three wheeled bike, you can lean as you always would. Plus, you have this third wheel making for a much more stable and safe ride. OK, so I get all that. But what about this being the midline? So Arkimoto is going to have three editions of this mean lean machine. They're going to have the base Sidewinder edition the midline Cybertrike, and the high-end true mean lean machine with different price points for each. I am super excited about this because as soon as we're done recording this episode, I am hopping on a plane to Oregon. I'm visiting my buddy Mark Fraunmeyer and his team in Eugene, and I'm going to be taking the Cybertrike for a spin. Now, we have so many questions for Mark about the Cybertrike, and thank you to our viewers for your questions that you posted. Questions like price, delivery dates, range, weight, top speed, acceleration, and of course, how does it handle? So hopefully I will get some answers for you during my visit. I'm super excited to be trying out not only the Mean Lean Machine, but also the FUV with the new uh, Torque Vector. Mm -hmm. software. Oh man, I'm just this is going to be a fun trip. So be sure to subscribe because we're going to have some yes. interesting information. Oh, and it. also we have an Investor Club bonus story this week on FUV. Interesting. Mm. Okay. Well, if you're buying an EV and you want to be able to charge at home, for many people, it can be expensive to install a home charger if their electrical panel doesn't have enough juice. Yeah, I mean, we're going through this right now. In fact, uh, we're upgrading from 200 amps to 400 amps because we're going to be installing geothermal here at the house and it's not cheap to upgrade your panel. But see, Siemens and Philadelphia-based Connector have partnered with this nifty solution. Yeah, Connector makes this meter collar extender thing that goes on your meter box and allows you to create a plug and play access point. So it's essentially giving you access to a huge amount of power very cheaply. Now, you might be saying, you can't just plug in before your panel. What if you use too much energy and then the rest of your home's appliances will suffer? Well, hang on. The smart people at Connector thought of that. This is smart, after all. So this monitors the home's total load and only takes what it can give up to power a level two EV charger. So according to Siemens, which will sell these starting in Q1 of 2023, this solution should cost about 60 to 80% less than a panel upgrade. Now, the average home in the US is 39 years old. The average home in New England is 60 years old, wow. which means that a lot of these houses were built back when like 100 amps was a lot of power. Right. So you get this little 100 amp panel. And I mean, that barely cuts it nowadays with all the appliances we have in a modern day house, let alone EV charging. Right. So a lot of people have to upgrade their panel. That's not cheap. This could be a big problem solver for a lot of people. So comment down below if you think this would help you. We're going to be reaching out to Connector and seeing if we can find out more information about this cool product. Now, when you buy a Tesla, because it's a car on wheels, it needs to communicate with the Tesla mothership at all times. Yeah, things like nav updates and satellite view maps, along with music streaming and internet browsing, all need internet connectivity to work. Luckily, Teslas can all connect using either Wi-Fi or more often LTE connectivity. So if you pay $10 a month to Tesla, you get Tesla's premium connectivity with extras like live traffic visualization, sentry mode to view your live cameras, music streaming, and more. 
But what if you don't pay $10 a month? Well, Tesla has standard connectivity for free, which just gets you the nav data, nothing else. And up until now, Tesla never said how long it would stay free for standard connectivity. But now we seem to have an answer. Tesla has updated its website to show that standard connectivity is now limited to eight years from the first day your car is delivered new from Tesla. Okay. Well, that doesn't matter because uh, I already bought my car and I must have unlimited uh, data. So, no, you pay for premium connectivity, right? Well, now, yeah, right now I do because I, I like... I like uh, satellite maps and I can see where parking lots and stuff are. And right. So the, the clock already started ticking from the day you took delivery. So in eight years from that date, uh, if you decide to switch off of premium, mm -hmm. standard would not be available anymore. But that's not. No, I bought the car and it had standard connectivity. Yeah. But when you bought the car, they didn't say how long that would last. What? What? That, come on. Really? Uh, yeah. That's what we're learning so, here. So, okay, my car is already four years old. So in, a, right. in four more years, if I stop paying for premium connectivity for whatever reason. Yeah, you won't have nav anymore. I won't have nav? Yeah, you won't have nav. You'll have to take out your phone and put it on the dash like everyone else has to. I mean, look, I, I think that'll... I what, think, are you mad? Are you getting steamed? I'm a little upset. Getting a little mad, I, huh? I thought I was, you know... I mean, I guess it can't be free forever, right? Because if I had my car and I'm 80 years old and my car is, you know... I mean, it, Tesla didn't say it would be free forever. I guess. I guess. I don't know. What do you think? Put your comments down below. I think, though, that most people pay for premium. It would have been smart for Tesla at the time when you bought your car to say it'll be good for eight years yeah, or 10 years. Yeah, I would have been like, I understand that. Right. I know what that will be. What, what I want to know is how many people pay for premium and how many people so take standard. I'm going to put a Patreon poll and we're going to answer that question later Ooh. in this show. Yeah. All right. Love it. So stay tuned. We'll, we'll let you know. And if you haven't, join Patreon at the $2 level so you can answer our polls. All right. So this tweet last week from Tesla, we're launching the Tesla shareholder platform. Join the program to participate in Tesla events and hear more updates soon. So I clicked on the link and it only took me about 30 seconds to link my stock accounts using my Say account. Cool. So what does that allow you to do? At the moment, it doesn't look like it does much of anything that you couldn't already get from the Tesla Investor Relations website and say.com. But in the future, it looks like Tesla wants to offer shareholders to be able to participate in shareholder events and vote and submit questions during earnings calls. But no, no, I think that it's really cool because this allows you to basically set up your say.com and it only took you 30 seconds. That's awesome. Yes, except that. Right. So I already had say.com set up. Oh, okay. Right, but like um it wasn't a, it's not it's not super fast. Like there's there's plaid and if your accounts are on plaid it can be pretty quick, but if your accounts aren't on plaid then you have to go through all this verification so stuff. So where you own the shares needs to communicate with say.com right. because it needs to say Zach has 20 shares. Exactly. And then when you go to vote on uh questions, right. you will be adding your shares to that vote. And it's constantly updating your account to see, oh, Zach sold 10 shares, so now he only has 10 shares. Which is kind of scary okay. when you think about it, because like they know how many shares they know how many shares you have. <laughs> well, but I mean, they have to know in order for the votes to happen. Well, I don't mean that. I mean, like, what if someone hacked into say? I don't know. I don't think they'd be able to take your shares away from you. I hope not. Uh, I don't think so. But the thing that I think is cool is that with this tweet, they're essentially getting more. Uh, my guess is retail investors um, on say.com, which I think is freaking awesome right because when we've done um you know quarter end um investor calls mm -hmm. um, with tesla uh there's a lot of institutional questions that get answered right those are the big analysts from the big firms that ask boring boneheaded questions right and on say.com there's a lot of institutional questions that make it to the top because there's so many institutional shares that can right. vote those 
in my opinion, boneheaded questions up. And that means that we get less retail investor questions. Right. With this, they could be adding more retail investors to say, and that could mean that- We could outnumber them. We could outnumber them. They'll never take our freedom. Storm the castle. Let's take over. Guess the questions. And then hopefully we could stop having analysts ask dumb questions on the earnings calls. Elon, just a couple follow-ups <laughs> yeah. to that boring question I um, asked before. With delivery numbers, are you like worried about demand? I know you already answered this four times, <laughs> but could you say it again in a more boring way? So Thanks. I'm, I'm, I really like that. Yeah. That's cool. Hey, and if you want to share this story with your friends, but you don't want to share the entire episode, head on over to our Now You Know Clips channel, where we chop these into little bite-sized clips that you can easily handle. Because the other thing is way too big to handle. All right, it's time for Into the Future, sponsored by our friends at Henson Shaving. Now, some people have reached out to me with some concern uh -oh. because our, our deal with Henson is that if you use our code Now You Know, you will get 100 free blades when you buy a Henson shaver. What's the concern? And people are worried that once they run out of the 100 blades, they're going to be spending a fortune to buy new blades. I don't want you to worry because the 100 blades costs $10. Right. I still think it's a great deal to get those razors for free, but in the year or two or three that it's going to take you to get through those 100 blades. So in 2026, you're going to need to spend $10 for another few years. Right. Um it's 10 cents that's, per blade. That's a really good point. One thing we hardly ever talk about with Henson is how much money you're actually going to save. Right. You may think like, well, I'm buying this very expensive razor. Yes. But it's actually saving you money because what you don't think about is when you buy one of those like $15 razors, you just have to keep buying the cartridges over and over and over again. And so, yeah, this is a money saver. It's sustainable and you get an amazing shave. I love mine. All right. If we're going to have an electric future, then at least for the nearer future, we're going to need a lot of batteries. Well, we're not going to need batteries forever. I don't know. I assume at some point there will be a breakthrough on a palm-sized fusion reactor. And to that end, GM and Tesla have both signed some long-ish term mining deals for battery materials. So GM signed a deal to secure lithium from Livent starting in 2025 for six years and cathode materials from LG Chem between 2022 and 2030. So 950,000 tons of cathode active material enough for 5 million EVs. Remember that GM's goal is to produce 1 million EVs in 2025. Livent is currently producing lithium hydroxide at its facility in North Carolina and will be launching a new plant in Becancourt, Quebec in 2025. Now, Tesla has signed two new deals as well, one with Zhihang Haiyu Cobalt Company for the rest of 2022 through 2025 for nickel, cobalt, and manganese, and a deal with CNGR Advanced Material Company between 2023 and 2025. And both companies have supplied Tesla with battery materials before. Right. Look, I don't. we don't normally do battery material contract stories on Tesla Time News, because if we did, that's all you'd be hearing about every week is like all these deals being signed. Um, what's important to remember here is that Tesla only makes electric vehicles. So this is all they're focused on. And they all they have been focused on is making sure they have battery materials. Whereas GM and Ford and Honda, they're new to this game. And so they're pretty desperate to get battery materials. And it means that I think they're kind of second and third on the list. When Tesla comes looking, they, all these companies know, oh my gosh, Tesla's going to be making millions of EVs. They already are. Right. Whereas when Ford and GM come looking, it's like, so you guys are making how many cars? Like 100,000? Like you sold 6,000 right. um, Mach-E's last quarter. Right. So it's not that sexy for those companies. And I think that's the thing you have to keep in mind. These contracts are like completely out of balance. All right, it's time for Going Green and we're sponsored by EcoWare. And remember that over in EcoWare, we have over 100 designs 
And we don't just sell t-shirts. We sell so many other cool products. And with every product you buy, we carbon offset and then make that negative by planting trees and capping oil wells. All right, thanks to Jason for sharing the story with us. The city of Hallandale Beach just purchased, get this, 13 Tesla Model Ys for their police department. City manager Dr. Jeremy Earle says, we're thrilled to be rolling out the largest deployment of electric police vehicles in the state of Florida and to get these EVs on the road. So 12 of the 13 vehicles will be used by detectives and the 13th will be used as a patrol car that they are testing. This is part of the city's 50 by 30 climate action plan, which aims to reduce greenhouse gases by 50 percent by the end of this decade and become net zero by 2050. Officials said this purchase allows them to reduce their fleet related emissions by approximately 600 metric tons annually. That is the equivalent to 117 homes worth of annual electricity each year. Charging stations for the electric vehicles will be placed in the police station parking lot. Now, for a town of 41,000 people, I'm a bit surprised they need this many detective vehicles because I looked it up and our town has 23,000 people and we have two detective vehicles. Well, uh, they need to do a little bit more detecting. <laughs> Why? Bad boys, bad boys. A lot more <laughs> driving around these detectives got to do. I don't know. All right, it's time for Sunspots. So researchers from Germany's Leipzig University of Applied Sciences just published a study in the August edition of the journal Smart Energy in which they say we may be installing solar panels wrong. Ah, uh, shouldn't be using the Phillips head screws. I knew it. We traditionally install solar panels horizontally at an angle maximized to capture the sun's rays, right? Perpendicular to the panel. Well, these researchers claim that mounting bifacial panels facing east to west and vertically is the best way to go. What? Why? The researchers pointed out that solar panels mounted the traditional way produce the most electricity at... When the sun's directly above. Right, midday. Okay. That means you have to have a lot of batteries to store the midday energy for when people need it the most, which isn't midday, it's morning and afternoons. So by mounting the panels vertically, they say, the researchers got more energy when they wanted it, which was mornings and afternoons. Let's look at this chart here. The x-axis is the time of day. The y-axis is the power in watts. The green line is the new vertical way of mounting panels. So you can see that you get more energy from the panels in the morning and the afternoon and a much reduced output at midday versus traditional panels. But to me, the most important question is which method gives you the biggest area under the curve for the least cost. Yeah, I agree. But if you don't have battery storage, then these researchers may have a point. Also, this method allows for growing more plants without blocking their sun. Jen Schneider, the professor of networked energy systems and co-author of the study says, bifacial solar modules are somewhat more expensive than conditional solar systems, but as they increase the number of hours of available solar power, other electricity needs such as gas-fired power plants are reduced. Installed vertically, the solar systems can easily be set up on agricultural land. This creates additional earning opportunities for farmers and increases the area potential for renewable energies in Germany so much that we would only have to import a small amount of additional energy. I think that this is great. I'm glad that we're doing this science and that we know this is a great tool to have in our tool belt. Now, bifacial panels are a thing. You can actually produce panels that have two faces. Right. They are going to cost more than a traditional one-sided panel. Right. I mean, it's almost like two panels. Kind of. Yeah. I think the talking about uh, agriculture stuff we have barely scratched the surface when it comes to studying agrivoltaics, which right. means basically putting solar panels in and around uh, plants that we want to grow to eat. Right. And so uh, there are many plants and 
some of the preliminary studies that have been coming out have shown that there's lots of plants that love to be covered by solar panels. I solved, might... the, I, I solved the problem while you were just talking about it. What? Okay. How about this? Agrivoltaics. Uh-huh. Put the panels on tracking systems. Then, when the plants need more sun, turn them vertical, and you get the results that you got here. So, I mean... In fact, I solved it no, again. No. Check this out. Hang on. You turn them east in uh-huh. the morning. Yeah. West in the afternoon. Right. And you don't have to have bifacial. I think well, I just hit on it. I, Thank you for this idea. Okay, but tracking, though, costs money. So what? If if it costs more money to install a tracking system than by having bifacial panels. Yeah, I guess so. But the nice thing here is when the plants want shade, you just track them up to be normal. You could. I think that there's many. I mean, look, there's so many different solutions out there. This is why I love research, because yeah. we get to get the best ideas. Yeah. Look, thank you to Colleen for sharing the story, because this is in the weeds. No pun intended. Uh, and I get it. But this is the kind of information that we love sharing on this show, because Look who's watching right now. Mm-hmm. Can you see? Look, look, no, look. There's a lot of smart people watching right now. A lot of them are doing agrivoltaics or are professors or are solar installers. Maybe they can use this information to make a better system. No, that's true. And if you do, write to us at hello at nowyouknowchannel.com and let us know what you're up to. All right, it's time for a video contributor story. And uh, we need your stories. Remember, two minutes or less, have a narrative. Tell us what the story is about, mm-hmm. right? Don't just film something. Uh, tell us what the story is. Shoot it in landscape with good audio, no music, and send them to hello at nowyouknowchannel.com. What do we got this week, Jess? We've got Caesar in Seattle at the Avis. A few Teslas here for people to rent at Avis. Um, the kicker is... It costs... 200 bucks a day versus 40 dollars of a regular meat size i guess despite of the low cost of ownership the rental companies are still kind of take advantage of that yeah zach and jesse like this is just crazy i was excited i was going to rent one but for this price thanks but no thanks yeah now you know that is too expensive. And uh, he didn't shoot it in landscape, but we're going to forgive him this we're time. We're going to forgive him. Um, interesting. Why is there a price difference of $40 for an ICE car and $200 for a Tesla? That's kind of outrageous. Um, I think because they can charge that. The, I mean, the going rate on Turo is around $200 a day for a Model 3. Yeah, I mean, I'm going to be renting on Turo when I go to Oregon later today. And uh, yeah, it's like $150 to $200, depending on what, what they have to offer. So oh. I guess they're just matching that. Yeah. Okay. I mean... That means there's a lot of demand for Teslas. Oh, yeah. And I can see why. All right, it's time for our Patreon bonus stories. Join us over on patreon.com slash now you know. You're going to help support the show if you do. A buck a month gets you all of our bonus stories. Uh, If you want to spend a little bit more and get a lot more perks, you can do that too. Um, And this week, we've got two Investor Club bonus stories. Uh, We've also got stories on Tesla Cubes. Update on Solar Roof, Uber Teslas, Honda Prologue, and so much more. Yeah, we'll see you over there. All right, we're back from our Patreon bonus stories. These are the folks that support us for $5 or more each month. They're going to get their name on the end credits. They really help this show make it possible, really. And uh, who do we got this week? We got Dan Brandborg. Warren Lee Rivera. Tumpinky. Corey Rollins. Air IC. Peter Bryan. Paul A. Curtis. David Gway. Jim Hammett. And Ricky T. Thank you so much for supporting us. We can't do this show without you. All right, so you said we had a poll earlier. Yes, we do. Um, and the question was, and this was for Tesla owners, do you pay for premium connectivity? And what are the answers? So, 
a little bit interesting here. Um, there's plenty of people who bought a Tesla that came with premium connectivity. So we're talking, I did. Right. So uh, previous Model S and X uh, customers probably have um, premium connectivity for, for life. For the rest of my life. Pretty amazing. Um, and then 42%, and this is a pretty high because we're going to compare uh, the premium versus the non-premium. Huge percentage of people pay for premium connectivity versus just 3% who don't pay for premium connectivity and have standard connectivity. It's what I said. I thought about 10% probably had the standard and that's right. roughly right. So that's wow. pretty interesting. I had no idea that that many had premium connectivity included with their purchase. So that's a lot of early Model S and X owners. We don't have a perfect data set. I think that we have a lot of early that, Model S and X owners. Is that current S and X owners? They don't get it, do they? I'm not sure. Um, write down in the comments below because yeah. I'd love to know. All right, it's time for Elon's Tweets of the Week. And boy, a lot of tweets about Ooh. this liar, liar story. Mm -hmm. uh, Michael Sikinolfi, uh wrote this, what appears to be a incorrect story on Wall Street Journal. And Elon said, blank, blank, your pants are on fire. Sikinolfi's pack of attack chihuahuas are burning up phone lines today for revenge after his bogus article, which basically said that uh, Elon had an affair with uh, Sergey Brin's wife. Lawyer for Sergey Brin's wife, Nicole Shanahan, backs Elon, saying, make no mistake, any suggestion that Nicole had an affair with Elon Musk is not only an outright lie, but also defamatory. Yet Wall Street Journal says we are confident in our sourcing and we stand by our reporting. Elon says, as a public person, standard to win a defamation lawsuit against a news organization is almost impossible. They could say I'm Satan and the source is their psychic. Nicole is not a public person, so could win. I hope she sues them. Michael Sikinolfi has also done so many fake hit pieces. Moreover, I talked to Sergey yesterday and he says neither he nor anyone he knows has talked to Wall Street Journal. This is total bullshit. Sergey and I are friends, and we were at a party together last night. I've only seen Nicole twice in three years, both times with many other people around, nothing romantic. Wall Street Journal has run so many bullshit hit pieces on me and Tesla, I've lost count. It's embarrassing for them, frankly. They once wrote an article saying FBI was about to arrest me, so I called FBI to ask what's up, and they said Wall Street Journal article was total bullshit. Just more short seller FUD. 99% of journalism is reading someone else's story on the internet, changing it up a little, and pressing send. Weirdly, some publications still print millions of paper copies every day. Then Gail Alfar says, when you were a kid, did you ever deliver newspapers? Elon said, yeah, but that was 8,000 years ago. I knew he was an alien. Elon said, business insider trading is not a real publication. Tesla owner Silicon Valley said, yeah, don't get how the founder gets away with fraud and runs a news company. Elon said, seriously. Pernay said, Elon, why do you think they have these hit pieces and attacks against you and they've increased in the recent past? Do you think these are politically motivated hit pieces? Who's paying for this? It's really saddening and disheartening to see this nonsense hate against you. Elon said, mostly just that the media is a click maximizing machine and a story involving me gets a lot of clicks. He went on to say the media is a click seeking machine dressed up as a truth seeking machine. And Lex Friedman said the clickbait industrial complex. Elon went on to say, the amount of attention on me has gone supernova, which super sucks. Unfortunately, even trivial articles about me generate lots of clicks. We'll try my best to be heads down focused on doing useful things for civilization. And then Space.com reported that Russia says that it will leave the International Space Station after 2024. And Elon said, bon voyage. Sam Altman said the cultural arc over the past few years from wokeism to pessimism to nihilism is racist, sucks and doesn't even matter anyway. Elon said a new philosophy of the future is needed. I believe it should be curiosity about the universe, expand humanity to become a multiplanetary, then interstellar species to see what's out there. He went on to say this is compatible with existing religions. Surely God would want us to see creation. Lex Friedman said curiosity plus love 
equals progress. Then Chris Bergen says, what is the trick to human interstellar travel in your eyes? Wormholes, warp speed or something else? Yes, I watch too much sci-fi. Elon said sub light speed is all that's needed to be interstellar. Intergalactic is tough. Elon said, much harder to make friends than enemies. My skill at the latter is improving. So he's making more enemies. He's he's better at that's making a, enemies that's now. That's a skill? Hmm. I don't know. And then a question, is global warming real? Elon said, would be unwise to risk that it's not. Elon said, I can't say for sure that Starship will reach escape velocity, but my hubris certainly has. Dirty Tesla said, will beta 10.13 reach escape velocity this weekend? Elon said, we're working super hard on 10.13, but it isn't ready yet. 10.13 is probably a week or so away. But yes, people outside of California will notice improvements the most. We're outside California. Yeah. And then Elon said, heat wave in Shortville. And that's because the Tesla stock price was uh, going up last week. Elon said, interaction with almost all Twitter accounts seem to be much lower in recent weeks and days. Accurate. And if our reality is actually an alien soap opera, our ratings would be stellar. Then he said, Thanksgiving last year after watching one too many episodes of Vikings. So here's Elon with little X. And Tesla owner Silicon Valley said, did you cut your hair and his? Elon said, yeah. And then finally... Tesla tweeted out, our huge casting machines enable us to make full-size cars the same way toy cars are made. Check that out. Taking it out of a hot press. Mm -hmm. Hot wheels. Robots. All right. It's time for community mail time. Community mail time. Remember, you can share your stories, photos, and videos with us at hello at nowyouknowchannel.com. We got this update from Clint. He wrote to share this announcement from the New Jersey Governor Phil Murphy last week. New Jersey is giving a point-of-sale $4,000 credit for the purchase of a BEV that is $45,000 or less. Unfortunately, this excludes even the cheapest Tesla. But for vehicles $45,000 to $50,000, there is a $2,000 credit. There's a $250 program to install home charging stations for new car purchases. There's a $4 million program to incentivize condos and apparently complexes to install off-street charging stations. There'll be a $4 million to upgrade the state-owned fleet to electric. Um, and $6 million for EV charging stations in New Jersey. So way to go, New Jersey. Nice. Faisal sent us this picture of a Starlink dish at a supercharger. He says, hey, guys, I was watching today's episode and saw you guys talking about Starlink at a supercharger. Here's a picture of one in Falls Church, Virginia. The picture was taken on June 26th. My car automatically connected to the Starlink Wi-Fi and downloaded the latest update. It's pretty awesome. Now, you know, that's really nice, especially for people who can't reach Wi-Fi to their cars. Yeah. Philip spotted this blue Model Y in Leipzig, Germany. Jim sent us this iridescent Tesla he spotted on L.A.'s 405 freeway. Enrique sent us this picture of these VinFast signs he spotted at the Citadel in the City of Commerce in L.A. County. Mark sent us a couple of pics of this F-150 Lightning towing a trailer. That's going to be us in a couple days. Yeah, right. Chris says, I was in Queenstown, New Zealand the other day on holiday and saw this R1S in the wild captured on my dash cam. Wow, in New Zealand. In New Zealand. So I think they're doing winter testing. I guess so. I guess. Patron Sean writes to tell us, after listening to your Patreon bonus story today about the next level, level two charging, I realized everything you said is true. I'm glad I took some pictures as it didn't dawn on me to share it until Jesse told his story of charging in the mall parking lot. This may be weird coming from Utah, where in the last year there have been seven new gas stations built within four miles of my house, almost as if they were building them now while they still can. Why is so much being invested in this dying infrastructure? Okay, sorry, off topic. Anyway, my wife works for Zion's Bank here in Utah, and they just completed their new 2022 building. 
The location of the building was up until recently a Superfund site, the location of a smelting plant from 1906 to 1971. With the cleanup and mass growth in the area, Jesse's experience of living in an apartment and having to charge at work is the life of most people in town. The campus is surrounded by mostly high-density townhouses and apartments, which make charging more difficult. At the open house last week, I was astounded to see and count the new building has 179 level 2 EV chargers from Clipper Creek, with 75% of the building's electricity being powered by on-site solar. Clipper Creek claims to charge up to 31 miles per hour when one car is plugged in. Awesome. Wow. That's a lot of chargers. That makes a huge difference. You just go, oh, well, of course I can get an EV. Exactly. Woo! Frank shared these EVs all over Texas. He said, my wife's Tesla Model 3 at the Supercharger in Henrietta, Texas. Wow, what a color. Though this Lucid was in Plano, Texas. The Rivian between Savannah and Prosper, Texas. An interesting wrap on this Model 3 in Frisco, Texas. Good to see EVs all over Texas. Bayara shared us this photo of a Skywell electric double-decker bus in Ulaanbaatar, Mongolia. Uh, We did a little digging, and it seems that starting in 2020, the Ulaanbaatar municipal government started buying electric buses to replace half of their 900 bus fleet. And Skywell is a Chinese company. I mean, it's so cool. We're getting community mail time from Mongolia. All right, it's time for Supercharger Reviews. And before we get to that, let's do a beautiful Supercharger. Um, remember, you send us those photos of beautiful Supercharger locations. We have AJ at the Lexington, Kentucky Supercharger with Starlink. Hey, Zach and Jesse. This is AJ in Lexington, Kentucky at the 8th Stall V2 Supercharger. Really great location. But what's interesting is a Starlink dish. I remember y'all reporting that this is one of the few locations that has it, and I was just passing through the area and saw it. And upon further inspection, my car automatically connected to it. And in running a speed test, we got 72 up, 3.6, I mean 72 down and 3.6 up. Pretty freaking cool. Pretty neat location. Now you know. Wow, multiple Starlink superchargers this week. And let's see what the rest of the supercharger reviews look like. Welcome to Carleton, Minnesota, and the Black Bear Casino and the brand new superchargers placed here in the parking lot. My name is Terry Savage. I'm the executive director of the Tribal Enterprises for the Fond du Lac Band of Lake Superior Chippewa. I'm Steve Douglas. I'm the facilities director for the Fond du Lac Band. This is a great location right off the highway, really easy to see. We've got a couple of the non-Tesla level two chargers in a parking lot and throughout a couple of the other facilities that we operate. Yeah, I've seen a fair amount of use of those standard chargers here at the casino, although I think we'll probably see more out of the Tesla. Because we operate a full service casino resort, we figured that as the traffic came by, we would be able to offer those customers certain amenities that they couldn't get somewhere else. Fridays and Saturdays were open 24 hours. Sunday through Thursday were open until 2 a.m a great resource for travelers coming up north. At the end of the day, that helps us serve our goal towards reducing our carbon footprint, reducing our energy utilization, and really the band has always been about uh, being good stewards to the land. Overnights when the casino is closed, you would have a hard time finding a restroom, so you would need to make a separate stop for that. This brand new supercharger here in Carleton is getting a lot of use, and because of that and how handy it is, the pull-through spot, I would have to give this uh, 8 or 9 out of 10. 
Hey, Zach and Jesse. Eric here in uh, the city of Sonoma, California with the brand new eight stall, 250 kilowatt supercharger. Uh, it's located right behind the Sonoma Community Center. Uh, eight nice stalls. We've also got a couple of J1772 destination chargers over there, community center, um, located uh, just a few blocks from downtown Sonoma. Um, lots of good stuff to eat, great restaurants right in the heart of wine country. Very well located, kind of between the 101 and I-80 corridor. So uh, very conveniently located and like I said, great stop. Come to Sonoma, check it out. Now you know. Hi, second Jesse. This is Lilian Carlo from Germany. Today we are at the Hillertisen supercharger that has 14 stalls, 250 kilowatt superchargers. We are, there's a lot of construction going on here at the moment. It's a brand new supercharger. And uh, from amenities, there are the car wash, obviously, there's a McDonald's with toilets and another gas station with a shop where you can buy all the things that you need for your trip Under construction is also a motel where you can sleep overnight so I guess this will be convenient in the future And so we would give this supercharger for the moment an 8 out of 10 Now you know! Hi, Zach and Jesse. This is Hanuna. I'm in Delaware, the great state of Delaware in Middletown, Delaware. And I'm at a charging station that has seven stalls and it is a 250 kilowatt supercharging station. It's at a Wawa. It's near two highways. However, it's not near any shopping. So because of that, I'm going to have to give this a seven out of 10. Now you know. Thanks. Thank you, everybody. I love those reviews. Best part of the show, I think. All right, let's check out the new superchargers that went online this week. What do we got? We got number seven in Nebraska is the eight stall in Kearney, Nebraska. Do you remember when we did our 2016 trip in Sparky? Yeah. There was none in Nebraska. That's true. Yeah. Number 31 in Colorado is the eight stall in Westminster, Colorado. Number 99 in the UK is the eight stall in Croydon. The eight stall in Alu, Finland. The 8th stall in San Diego at Camino de la Plaza, California. The 10th stall in Chapel Hill, North Carolina. Number 44 in North Carolina is the 8th stall in Jacksonville. Number 36 in Massachusetts is the 12th stall in Burlington, Mass. Nice, That's right going to be fun. Right at the mall. Number 293 in California is the 8th stall at Marina del Rey, California. Number 153 in Canada is the 12th stall in Squamish, Commercial Way, British Columbia. Number 18 in Finland is the 8th stall in McKeeley, Finland. And number 22 in Wisconsin, number 1442 in the U.S., number 3599 in the world is the 8th stall in Marionette, Wisconsin. All right, it's time for the Patreon comment of the week. And Richard says, guys, it's okay to swear, really. When you counter bullshit, say bullshit. I, for one, appreciate that. Great show, by the way. So, if any so of you... well, fuck yeah, I'm going to swear a lot more then because there's a lot of shit happening that pisses me off. And no more Mr. Nice Guy. So, fucking oil companies, fuck you because you're fucking up our planet. Ah, oh, that feels good. <laughs> but seriously, I'm heading off to lovely Eugene, Oregon to see my buddy Mark and, and you're the gonna team. Be swearing and up I'm going to be storm. like, Mark, what the f***? Get me on the Cybertrike. 
No, I'm going to say it nicely. But uh, we're going to check out the new torque vectoring on the FUV. Mm-hmm. Um, and if you're in Eugene this week and you see me driving around in an FUV with a big smile plastered on my face, please feel free to say hello. And don't worry, I'll be back for episode 309 next week. So if anyone is uh, offended by us swearing, you can blame Richard. F*** you, Richard. Yeah, well, <laughs> it's it's Richard gave us permission, so it's on Richard. That's why we're able to f***ing swear. I mean, you know, <laughs> we're bleeping it anyway, right? Huh. And uh, that's boring. we should have like the uncensored edition or something, shouldn't we? Uh, yeah, it's just so like, and I know people are like, hey, why don't you do that? Look, this is a family show. I get it. Yeah. And that's why that's why we bleep it. And honestly, you know, we don't feel this way all the time. But I'll, I'll tell you, one or two stories a week usually get me pretty mad. Yeah. Uh, especially if we're talking about oil companies or something. Sure. And yeah, so maybe from now on, Richard, when I feel like it, I'll just, you know. Well, you know what? We'll limit it to those stories. We'll limit it to when we're talking about oil companies. They really deserve or it. Or other know? things that get me f***ing mad. Yeah, right. You know? Um, Sorry, boys, for all the bleeping you're having to yeah. do this week. I'm not going to lie. That was a lot of f***ing bleeps. And I just want to thank our Patreon patrons for helping to support this show. It's uh, really the only way that it works. Um, it's a it's kind of a little bit of a miracle that it, that we have this amazing community Major that miracle. supports us. Mm-hmm. Um, because I'll be honest, um, YouTube and even sponsorship, uh, it's it's. It's have you noticed? Miss. Have you noticed a lot of big YouTubers lately have stopped YouTubing, and they've gone to some other forms, and that is because YouTube is really just cut way back on what they pay, um, and that forces you off the platform if you don't have people like you that support us. So, I mean, you are the reason why we're on the show every week. And look, if you're not a patron yet, it's it's not a big deal. Head on over to Patreon.com/slash Now You Know. Check out what we have to offer there. Try it out for a month or two. Right. It's only a buck a month, um, and see if you like it. And if you want to get your name on the end credits, like all of these wonderful people scrolling buy you can support us for five bucks a month um you'll get a shout out and your name on the credits um along with some other great perks yeah and if you any if you want to support us for more you will get a bigger name on the end credits which is uh, yeah fun right anyway stay cool everyone i know it's hot out there most places see you next week now you know save big on your memorial day barbecue all in the kroger app get three pound rolls of juicy 80 percent lean ground beef for 349 a pound with a digital coupon then get select varieties of flavorful Powerade, body armor super drink or arizona tea for 77 cents each all with your card shop these deals at your local kroger today or tap the screen now to download the kroger app to save big today kroger fresh for everyone prices and product availability subject to change restrictions apply see site for details